University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. Good morning. I am Billy King, and it's my joy to have this opportunity to share from God's Word this morning with you. Uh, I haven't preached in front of an audience since my retirement uh, sermon on March the 13th, but I realize if I want to be asked again, I shouldn't try and fill up all that space here in one one moment, all right, so I won't do that. I do invite you to uh, take your Bibles and uh, open them to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. And I would ask, please, would you stand out of respect for the word and for uh, this moment of reading together? The Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, you know the needs of each heart, of each life represented here. And we know that your grace is sufficient to meet all our needs. So pour out that grace upon us. Fill us with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you sit down, you know, in Baptist churches, amen usually means sit down. Well, before you sit down, would you just kind of nod or shake, your, shake a hand or look around those folks near you, don't go anywhere, and just say hello, all right? Do that for me, please. Good morning to the folks in the balcony. I never get to see y'all. All right, good to see you. Mm. All right, and now please be seated. Thank you. Thank you. And also a welcome to those who are watching us uh, via the Internet. Thank you for being with us. I thought I ought to tell you at least one thing about me that you do not know. Now, John shared that we celebrated our 46th wedding anniversary. You look at me and say, say yeah, I understand that. You look at Ken and you say, wait a minute, that's not possible, but it is, all right? So uh, anyway, I thought I'd tell you one thing about me that you just really don't know, and I, and I, and I decided the thing I should tell you is I love to lift weights. Now, I know you can't tell that looking at me this morning, okay? That's, that's all right. Uh, like a lot of people, I used COVID as an excuse to uh, get out of the, the practice of going to the gym. But when we retired here, and I discovered that my uh, supplement, my insurance supplement, provided a silver sneakers plan, okay? Yeah. Uh, I decided, well, okay, that's a good, good one to, uh, a good reason to go back. I don't have to pay for it, so go back to the gym. That's great. So, well, I'm paying for it in other ways, but I don't, I don't see that going out directly. So, so I started going back to the gym, and while it, you can't see it, I, I, I recognized that I am stronger now 
physically than I have ever been in my life. Somebody laughed at that? <laughs> I'll prove it to you. Forty years ago, when I was in my mid-twenties, let me do the math for you, I'm 66. Forty years ago, when I was in my mid-twenties, I'd go to the grocery store, spend $50. I'd bring the groceries back home. It'd take me two or three trips from the car to get them all in. Today, I go to the grocery store. I come back home. I can take them all in one trip, in one hand. <laughs> See? I told you. I'm now, you know I'm kidding. Back when I was 26, I couldn't afford to spend $50 at the grocery store. We had to spread that out over time. And today, I can't remember the last time I just spent $50 at the grocery store. The prices are going up. And, we, you know, you pay attention to that and you, and you begin to, th to think about, about how much price, the price of groceries goes up. And you begin to, well, you just think, well, now there comes a point where I have to decide, am I going to buy groceries, buy gas, pay the rent? pay for medicine? What am I going to have to give up in order to meet something else? We can always put it on a credit card, but eventually that credit card is going to come due too. And we worry about how we're going to make ends meet. Of course, we worry about a lot of things, don't we? We worry about our health. Or we worry about the health of those that we love. We worry about the state of our country and what's happening across our world. We just, we worry all the time. And then we open up the Bible and we read where Paul says, don't worry about anything. And he doesn't just say don't worry. He says, don't worry about anything. And we have to say, Paul, come on, you, know, you, just, you haven't paid attention to what's going on right now. I, I know in, in your day things were different, but, but today... Don't worry about anything. That's not possible. Is it? In fact, in this passage of scripture that, that Paul gives to us, he gives us three things that we just, we just absolutely have to say are not possible. Can't do it. It's out of our strength and desire and everything else. It's, we just can't do those things. Look at the scripture. Paul says, don't worry about anything. He says, let your gentleness be made known to all. I'm going backwards, by the way. Let your gentleness be made known to all. And we say, wait a minute, Paul. The world we live in today, if we start being gentle to people, one, it's going to be a, a total turnaround for us, but, but if we start being gentle to people, they're going to take our gentleness as weakness. And if they take our gentleness as a weakness, they will begin to encroach upon us. They will begin to, to attack us and abuse us. And they will take away everything that we have. Now, I'm not going to mention that Paul had already covered that in chapter 2 when he said that Jesus, being in the form of God, did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, he emptied himself. He gave up everything in order to become a servant. Obedient even unto death for us. I'm not going to get into that. That's a sermon for another time. But I will say that Paul was telling us we are to be gentle and meek as Jesus himself was gentle and meek. And we say in the world we live right now, 
We don't even know how to do that. It's not possible. Is it? And finally, in the three of things in this short passage, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, that's really the whole theme for this book of, of, of Philippians, this, this letter to the Philippians. It's all about rejoicing in the Lord. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, you know, when you read something in the Bible, it's there for a reason. It's important. I mean, this is God's inspired word for our lives today. Not just then, but inspired word for our lives today. So if you read it in the Bible, you ought to pay attention to it. But when you read it twice, and Paul repeats himself here for emphasis, then you must, it must be a significant thing that we need to pay attention to. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And we say, we will rejoice in the Lord sometimes. We'll rejoice in the Lord on Sunday mornings and maybe some other time through the week. I'm used to a Wednesday night prayer meeting time. And that's, you know, that, that would be one of the times when I would say, Lord, I'll rejoice on Sunday morning. And back, back in the day, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. But the rest of the time, mm, I don't know about that. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And we say, Paul, you just don't understand. You don't know the burdens I carry. You don't know the, the pains that are in my life. You don't know the hurts and the needs and the struggles and the trials that I face. I forget that Paul wrote this letter from a prison cell. He was under, well, probably under house arrest. And it said towards the end of his life, and he probably wasn't going to make it out of there alive. I forget about that, and I just say, Paul, you just don't understand. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's not possible. Is it? Well, of course, you recognize that I'm taking bits and pieces out of the Bible. That's the way we do a lot of times, isn't it? We just take this from over here and that from over there. Let's put it all together. What does Paul say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be known to all. Okay, those are the, two, the first two of the impossibilities, but then he tells us how to do that. He says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now that has two very important connotations for us, and we need to take both of them because both of them apply to what he is saying here. The first is, when, he, when Paul says the Lord is near, he has an understanding that Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose, is coming again. And early in his ministry, Paul had this idea that, you know, Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. When he explains to the Thessalonians that Jesus is coming back, he says, the Lord will step out with a mighty shout, and then the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are left, we who are left, Paul including himself, we who are left will meet him in the air. So Paul believed that Jesus was coming back in his lifetime. But now when he writes this letter to the Philippians, he's a little older, a little wiser, and a little more understanding of how things work. And he's beginning to realize the Lord's coming back at his time, not my time. And so he says, I'm in this jail situation, and I may live. I may get out of it, but I may not. I may die. 
He says, but I consider that the Lord is near. And he says, either way, it's okay. For me to live is Christ, and to die for me is gain. So either way, the Lord is near. He's coming. Whether it is through his return to claim his church or whether it is through death to take me personally, either way, he is coming for me, and I need to be found faithful when I face him. And so I need to find a way to rejoice. And here's how we find that way. The Lord is near. In close proximity. Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, and there will I be in the midst of them. Well, I gathered here in his name today. Anybody else? Yeah, I think you did. All right, that's right. We gathered. So, so the Lord is here right now with us, but I've got news for you. When you go off and you're by yourself, when you go out to your workplace or to, to a friend's house or when you're just walking around the block, Jesus is there with you. He is near. And there is nothing that is happening in your life today. Not one thing that is happening in your life today that Jesus doesn't know about, care about, and want to help you deal with. And I know I ended all that with prepositions. It doesn't matter. But that's the truth. Jesus is with you always. And he knows what's going on in your life. And he's there to help. We've all got struggles. We've all got problems. We've all got trials. So did Paul. And he said, the Lord is near. I can rejoice always. And I can be gentle to others. And these problems I've got, I can quit worrying about them and start handing them over to the Lord with prayer, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. One of the things I'm thankful for is that when I pray to God and tell Him about all these things that, I, that are going on, when I say, Lord, just help me deal with these, I come away with the confidence that Jesus is going to help me deal with these things that are happening in my life and in your life. So we pray. Paul was in a jail cell. Well, probably under house arrest. But he had a Roman, he, he was in chains and there was a, a Roman soldier with him most of the time, probably all of the time, but I'm not sure. So he had a, had a, Ro, a Roman soldier with him. And this soldier was under orders to keep Paul captive. But Paul looked at this situation. He said, I've got a captive audience. And he proclaimed Jesus Christ, the one who died for us and rose again and who was coming. He shared the good news of Jesus with, the, with, the, the, with those who were holding him prisoner. And then they took the word back and they would talk about it in the barracks or wherever they were, they gathered together, so that the word of Jesus, so that the name of Jesus was known throughout the whole imperial guard. And Paul says, I rejoice in my circumstances because this is what God is doing. Jesus' name is being proclaimed. And he says, Not only in this, but because I'm in jail. Some of the believers have been made bold enough to go out and speak the name of Jesus because they say, if he can do it in prison, I can do it as I go from my daily walk day by day. And, Paul says, not only that, but there are some people who, out of spite for me, 
are preaching about Jesus. There were some who said, all right, Paul, you've been getting all the headlines. Now it's our turn. You're in jail. We got the, we've got the floor. We're taking the, 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 the spotlight. We're going to preach Jesus. And Paul said, you know what? That's okay. As long as the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is being lifted up, as long as people are hearing about Jesus and Jesus is changing lives, I rejoice. Paul found joy in the fact that Jesus, that, that, that people were hearing about Jesus. If we're going to find real joy, that's what it's going to be in our own lives. That's our mission, isn't it? To, to share Jesus with other people as followers of Christ, as his disciples. Our mission is to share Jesus Christ. Now, I need to share this with this church specifically. We are, in, and I'm, I'm, I'm using the term we because we felt right at home right here. We are in an interim situation. Had a full-time pastor before. There's a wonderful search team at work now trying to find the full-time pastor that is to come, but we're right in the interim. John mentioned that I had over 40 years, 41, over 41 years in ministry. I've seen some things, not, not necessarily simply in the churches that I serve, but in other churches around. And I've seen churches that enter into the, to the interim period, and there's three struggles, three trials that really arise during this time. The first is the political trial. And I'm not talking simply about Democrat and Republican, the division that's there. That's, that may enter into it, but that's not what I'm talking about. The political trial is this. There will be some who will rise up with strong voices and proclaim what they believe, the leadership, what they believe is the direction of this church, and they will proclaim it so loudly that they will not listen to other voices. Their voices will say, this is the way it should be, must be, is going to be, and I'm right, you're wrong, and that's the way it is. And they will drown out voices that may have, be a bit more gentle, but, are direct, but have a, a clearer view of what needs to be, do, be done. And their, may, their voices may even drown out the still, small, small voice of God. Now, I haven't been here long enough to, to be accusing anyone. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying this is what I have seen. If you think I'm stepping on a toe, that's your problem, not mine, okay? But here's the way it is. Those voices do have something to say and they need to be heard. But what they need to be, what they need to be encouraged to do is simply join in the mission of sharing Jesus. And let us raise all of our voices to proclaim Jesus and to tell others what he means to me right now. Second trial. And COVID didn't help in this one. The, the pandemic did not help this. The second trial is people may begin to fall away, just not come. Some people have found out, you know, I really like watching church in my pajamas. That's okay. But in some way, you need to find ways to in interact with the work of the church. But some people are just going to say, you know, I wasn't real sure about whether I wanted to be a, be a part. And now that there's no pastor there and there's just different ways going, maybe I'll just back off. I encourage those of us who are being faithful to the Lord to be more faithful in encouraging people to join in the work of sharing the good news of Jesus. Mission may not attract crowds, but mission will draw disciples. And that's what we want. People who are following Jesus to join together 
to carry the good news. And finally, and this is one that's the most obvious, may already be occurring, I do not know. But in a time, a time between pastors, what often happens is giving drops off. And leadership begins to panic and worry, and they, and, and they begin to say, well, maybe we need to cut some things. Maybe we need to quit doing some things. We need to pull back. This I know from personal experience and from every church I've ever served and every church I've ever seen. Mission does not follow money. Money always follows mission. If you know what God wants you to do, and you're doing what God wants you to do, the resources are always going to be available to do what needs to be done. So I encourage us as a church to recommit our own hearts and lives to telling people that Jesus Christ can change your life. I really love the old hymns, and we sang some today that are just absolutely beautiful. It is well is my second most favorite hymn of all time. I'll tell you the first in private. But there's a new song, fairly new anyway, that says, let me tell you about my Jesus. You need to hear that song if you haven't heard. Because it says, let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. Let's tell people about Jesus and let Jesus change lives. Don't worry. Put your faith in God. Be gentle. People need that. Rejoice in the Lord always in every circumstance and bring joy to your own heart to the life of this church, and to the lives of others as you tell people about Jesus. Pray with me. And as you pray, focus momentarily on the worries in your life, the things that keep you up at night, the things that you just have not let go of because you want to control it. Focus on it, underline it, highlight it, figure it out, and then say, Lord, this is yours. And I'll do whatever you lead me to do to, to resolve it, but Lord, it's in your hands. And with thanksgiving, leave it in God's hands. And that hard edge that you've developed that keeps people away, that pushes people aside so that they can't hurt you, Lord, teach me to be gentle. in that burden that you're carrying, in that struggle that you're feeling, 
ask, Lord, where is the thing of joy in this moment? Where is your joy for me? And finally, make the commitment to share Jesus. Use your words if you have to, but let your life so show that you are a follower of Jesus. That other people will want to hear you when you say, let me tell you about my Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.